0: Welcome to Flock Tales, where we drink and talk about birds mostly. My name is Jen Schneiderman. I'm Ashley Ola. I'm Kristen Bronk. And I'm Maya Pershing. And we are your four resident nerds. And today we are continuing our podcast series about badass. <laughs> what did we say? Badass birding women. Oh, yeah! History. Badass yeah.
1: historical birding women.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Badass birding women of history, badass historical birding, lots of options here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old white um, women.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: cool
2: ones. Just,
0: yeah. Which is only, okay, let's be real, only one step better than old white men.
2: It's true. <laughs> one small step for man, woman? Womankind? Birds? Women. Birds. 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 <laughs> one <laughs> step <laughs> for birds. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Um, so we got slightly sidetracked last time and only got through two of the scientists that are conservationists, historical conservationists, that we planned on getting through. There was a spider <laughs> and a mouse. It was a wild time. <laughs> Check it out.
2: If you haven't checked out part one, you should listen to that first.
1: I mean, you don't have to, but you won't know what we're talking about when we say spider and mouse.
2: That's true. Mm -hmm. Far be it for me to tell you what to do, but my recommendation (laughs) is part one. (laughs) Top notch episode.
0: Yep. (laughs) Also, at the time of this recording, we did not have an opportunity to issue any corrections that might have been needed from the prior episode. So rest assured, next time we record there probably will be corrections. But for right now we have none. (laughs) Um Because we're perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. So last week we covered, who did we cover?
1: Kristen Kristen covered Althea Rosina Sherman (laughs) and Maya talked about um, Margaret Marty Murray. I know that because Mm -hmm. I have it written down on the Google sheet right in front of me
0: hot diggity shit and that is the first swear of this episode it is good
1: job jen do you want me to keep track by person this time
0: no okay (laughs) no because i'll be poor we don't want that information (laughs) we do not need another ranting (laughs) on my part yes
1: if you um want to contribute less money to the swear jar
0: fuck you you're not my real mom
1: (laughs) i know that i know jen I did not give birth to you.
0: <laughs> it's be really weird because you're only like two years older than I am. Right?
2: You would be a great mom, though. Like, Ashley, you're definitely the mom of the group.
0: Oh, she's, OK, yeah. So all of us worked in an office together for a couple of years throughout grad school. And Ashley is like, was our go-to every day for, like, the weather person. She knew the weather and what it was going to be at, like, the next week. It was insane. You were amazing. <laughs>
3: And I think that supplies.
0: comes from
1: um, not wanting to do fieldwork if it's raining or storming or gross. So I would always check the weather.
2: Um, See, that's what I get from doing fieldwork in California where you don't have to check the weather. Yeah. <laughs> got <it>. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Lucky you. Of course, the weather yeah. forecast for my study site was always super inaccurate. So mm-hmm. most of the time it didn't help.
0: i think my did you also mention that ashley was the office supply guru yes Mm, i had all of the office
1: supplies i had Mm -hmm. (laughs) band-aids you had band-aids
2: wow there are band-aids in my desk yes oh my god um
1: at least there were before covid started i'm assuming they're still there and haven't been stolen
0: who had the tea drawer oh that was me (laughs) (laughs) of course
1: (laughs) And I had um, like pain relief, so like ibuprofen, acetaminophen, mm-hmm. if you had a headache or whatever, you know. Or your did you have period. tampons? Or oh, your I period? Bet. Sorry, I did not have tampons. I tampon. um, okay.
0: I literally, when I went to clean up my desk after <laughs> I graduated, I found just like two boxes of like tampons of all different sizes, and I was like, "Fuck! I had all these tampons, and I didn't even know it." <laughs> 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 That's amazing.
1: That was a great story, Jen. Yeah,
0: that's a great find, dude. I won the tampon lottery. It was insane. <laughs> that's the best. Nice. Okay, I also like though
2: that our building—I don't know who does it—but like somebody puts a box of tampons and a box of pads in every bathroom, mm-hmm, and yeah. that's really cool. Like that should be a thing that well, just happens. A
1: lot of bathrooms have those like dispenser things where you like put the quarter yeah, in and turn it, but those are like that's old. The thing gross who has
2: a quarter yeah
3: who the fuck has a quarter if you don't have a tampon like there's no no way (laughs)
1: yeah and have you seen the size of those pads they're like yeah they're awful it's like a diaper yeah ew they're huge and they look uncomfortable (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. so i'm not i am not paid for this endorsement but i will legit 100 percent say that like menstrual cups are where it is at (laughs) have you okay i I want to hear more about this (laughs) Okay, actually, okay, we're gonna sidetrack for a little bit, but yes, uh, I just started using a menstrual cup, and it is fucking phenomenal. And I think everyone should get one. Also, everyone should stop wearing bras because that shit is garbage. Bras are dumb, and they're actually bad for you and expensive. Health, so. expensive, and they're uncomfortable. So expensive. Oh my god, so expensive! I have not worn a bra in about a year, and it's amazing. <laughs> nice, hell yeah, that's Worth the it. best. I am a dirty, nasty hippie woman now. I love
2: it. <laughs> so good.
0: I'm so here for it.
2: <laughs> Speaking of dirty, nasty, badass
0: women, yeah, right, right. Jen, do you
1: want to tell us about your uh, badass lady? <gasps> I
0: do because i'm pretty sure there is some speculation that she is also gay as fuck so (gasps) i love it (laughs) (laughs) um so i've had a girl crush or just like a regular crush actually now that i see her picture again Mm -hmm. (laughs) um on this person (laughs) for a while uh so my badass woman who is actually not a birder but contributed a significant amount to like birding and ornithology and the study of birds in general is Rachel Carson um, a Swoon lot of folks now. know her <laughs> oh, such a big swim. <laughs> um dude she, she was real she was pretty attractive <laughs> like for realsies um so Rachel Carson uh m- a lot of folks probably know her from her work Silent Spring um which led to some really awesome conservation stuff that we'll get to in just a minute here um but rachel carson was born in 1907 and she lived a fairly short life she, like for the time she died in 1964 which was not Ooh. nearly long enough to see the effect of her work um and the legacy that she left but <laughs> uh, you okay Kristen? <laughs> yeah i'm good <laughs> <laughs> are you laughing
2: or crying she's laughing
1: that you burped i was
2: but... laughing at your hiccup burp that's all that <laughs> <laughs> <Not> hurt <her. laughs> or just crying it about a rachel carson already <laughs> also that will it's i mean it's super tragic that she didn't live long enough to like yeah anyway go on go on yeah continue.
0: <laughs> okay so um Rachel Carson was... She was born in 1907. She just, like, lived on a farm for a lot of her life. Um, Her parents were just, like... Her mom was a housewife, basically, and her dad was just, like, a salesman, like, for an insurance company. Um, So she, like, had a fairly, quote-unquote, normal upbringing. Um, On her family's pretty big farm, it was, like, 60-something acres. uh, 65 acres. Um... She grew up reading a lot, so she was really inspired by, like, Beatrix Potter and oh, Herman Melville.
2: I love Beatrix Potter. <laughs> I, like, grew
0: up on those books. Fucking Peter Rabbit. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, she read a lot. She also read Joseph Conrad, which just, like, Heart of Darkness is pretty legit shit. Um, and she was always kind of <laughs> obsessed with the ocean, What's
1: <laughs> sorry, Kristen grabbed Lenny, her cat, and we am sorry, she was we meowing can see at each me. other through um video chat, and so I made a silly hand motion, and then Maya started <laughs> laughing, and I
3: started laughing.
2: We're falling apart <laughs> laughing at Rachel Carson's love for the ocean, no. which is epic which and is, amazing.
0: Yes, so amazing. I mean, you can laugh at the ocean, like. <laughs> ha, ha, I'm on fucking ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Thinks it's all deep and shit. That's why the ocean is so salty.
0: salty. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that was so good.
2: Sorry. <gasps> <sighs> <laughs> That was so good. Our brains are just like already broken.
1: (laughs) Minute seven. (laughs) That's what
2: we get for recording two episodes in a row. Yeah, and
1: I think a few people are already a
0: couple drinks in, so. yeah Three. Hey, I've only had three, which is, to be fair, a lot for me. (laughs) Three is
2: technically more than a couple, but. Yeah. Are you on the hot chocolate whiskey still, or did you switch over?
0: No, I had one hot chocolate whiskey and then I had two beers. This is my second beer that I'm working on right now. Oh we drink and we talk about birds mostly. So Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Um Okay, so Rachel Carson. Yes. Okay. So she Okay, so she graduated top of her class in high school. Um Mm. but like (laughs) It was also only 40-something students. Like, it was a really small school that she went to because she lived out in, like, rural bumfuck nowhere, basically. Even so, it's impressive. (laughs) Yeah, and especially because, like, she was a young girl in, like, the early 1900s. So she then went to university. She attended, at the time, it was called the Pennsylvania College for Women. Uh, But now we know it as, like, uh, what is it? Chatham? Chatham? oh I think I I've heard of that, that. Yeah. yeah I mean it's in Pennsylvania um so but she was kind of similar to some of the other women that we talked about last week she was kind of a loner uh, <laughs> she didn't really like have a ton of friends she kind of just like was absorbed in a lot of her studies um and she majored in biology um and I think this is kind of in the like this is before the days of like what we knew of now as like a communications major because although she majored in biology, she also like took courses in like uh, like journalism and like contributed to like the school's newspaper and like supplied literary supplements and stuff to like publications and stuff at her university. So I think like biology with a communications minor might be what we today would like Call what she did in college. Totally, but I don't know that there was like a communications department at the time. Mm-hmm. It sounds influential, though. Yeah, I mean, like whoever has time to major in biology and also like write for the school newspaper is kind of already doing a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so she. Unfortunately, because, like, her family was in a farm and stuff. She had, like, some financial difficulties in her senior year, um, which was really tragic because she was admitted to graduate standing at Johns Hopkins University her senior year. Wow. But, unfortunately, yeah. But she had to continue and graduate magna cum laude at Chatham University (laughs) because she didn't have like the money to go to Johns Hopkins University as a graduate student. Shit.
2: Um,
0: which is like crazy and sad, but also like, I mean, she graduated magna cum laude, which is like insane. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so she she did eventually go to Johns Hopkins like the next year. Um, she studied zoology and genetics. Um, as a graduate student at Johns Hopkins University, and then she started working like with rats and Drosophila, which is like the most I don't want to say boring because that makes genetics sound really boring. But as far as genetics is concerned, Drosophila, which is like fruit flies, are super boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they're a model organism, Jen That's
2: the classic model organism,
0: yes, I know I've just i'm I know some folks that were in the genetics department in grad school and they just like took pity on everyone that they knew that was working with drosophila so (laughs) that has become my attitude (laughs) towards people
2: i think that's fair just i guess it depends where your passion lies but yeah that i I couldn't i couldn't do it not that i work with genetics at all but (laughs) yeah
3: no way drosophila in particular
0: like yeah uh uh-uh i like birds hmm well you're doing genetic <laughs> stuff with birds right now so uh, kind of close enough <laughs> ish uh okay so so she started studying like rats and drosophila but she actually wasn't doing it as her project she was just doing it to like earn money for tuition and stuff like that because oh, nice. again financial <laughs> difficulties um and she eventually did her dissertation on uh fish and i don't know exactly what this is, but she did like some crazy embryonic development stuff with fish, which is like some crazy, crazy stuff where like embryonic development is wild as a field. I don't know how much like y'all know about it, but it's basically just like, how do your lungs form? And also how are they the same to like, like some fields of embryonics go into like traits and like body parts evolved based on like where embryos are similar or dissimilar in development Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wait jen did she work with zebrafish do you know so i don't know if she worked on zebrafish but she worked on the pernephos which is like an excretory uh organ um it's like it's like kind of like the first stage of kidneys in embryonic development oh cool um so, but I don't, it doesn't say where, the source that I'm using doesn't say whether or not she studied a zebrafish or not. No worries. Unfortunately, I do not have that answer for you. That is okay. Um, but, uh, so she, so Rachel Carson got her master's and she meant to continue on to a doctorate. Um, but the Great Depression hit and she was forced to, like, basically find a job. And, uh, she took on a teaching position to help her family during the Great Depression. Um, and then her father died, uh, soon afterwards, which, like, made their financial situation even worse because then she had to return and care for her mother. Um, but there was a bright white light at the end of the tunnel, which was actually her mentor, um mary scott skinker who i do not (laughs) know very much about that's a great name but it led rachel carson to pursue a position with the u.s bureau of fisheries um and she just like wrote basically like radio transcripts for this whole department um and it was like educational broadcasts and stuff um on the chesapeake bay and then Uh, Eventually, she got a job as a junior aquatic biologist, which is just like the first tier of biologists for the Bureau of Fisheries. Um, She was also the second woman hired by the Bureau of Fisheries. Wow. Kind of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. (laughs) This is all in like 1936, um, 37, that era. Uh, Sometimes
2: it feels like we've come so far, but that's like less than 100 years ago.
0: Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. It is nuts. Um, So Rachel Carson is just like a story of like continuing perseverance in the face of tragedy, by the way. She's had such a (laughs) rough life. Dude, it's about to get rougher because her older sister dies. (laughs) Oh, honey. And then Rachel Carson, because her older sister dies with two young daughters, like Rachel Carson then becomes the mother and the sole breadwinner to these two nieces Aww. that she has. Oh, Yeah. Um, and like, this is all basically in the midst of the great depression going into world war II. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh. Yeah. So she keeps writing. Um, she writes for a whole bunch of newspapers like the Baltimore sun um, and also the Atlantic monthly where, uh, a copy or a version of her essay, The World of Waters. Um, remember, she works for the Bureau of Fisheries and she's a marine biologist, um, both by training and, like, by just, like, the virtue of her studies. She's a marine biologist and she writes basically just, like, a narrative kind of, of, like, what it's like to be underwater in a way that's really personal and, like, able for an audience to connect with. So like she writes about this journey of exploring undersea life and um, just what it's like to be on the ocean floor um, in World of Waters and in like Undersea, which is another really great essay. Um, and this is like one of her big turning points, like Simon and Schuster picked up her essay Undersea um, and ex- eventually expanded it into a book. Um, she like then wrote several other books and then she started working on ddt which we'll get to in a second but uh she started uh working with well let me back up a little bit um hang on i have to reread this because i've had three beers so give me two seconds
1: (laughs) i
3: was like so in
2: the zone right there
3: i know yeah that was really amazing
2: (laughs) I'm, like, in the fucking life aquatic right now in a little submarine with all the, like, neon-colored oh fishes. I don't know oh, any yes, Wes Anderson fans out there.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. I had to – okay. I had to reset for a minute. Um, okay. So she – okay. I got this. So uh, Carson actually tried to, like, leave the Bureau of Fisheries um, – she wanted to get. She wanted to get into the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which is notoriously nowadays hard to get into. It was also hard to get into then, but it was especially hard to get into as a woman, um, and also because this is in the midst of like World War II. It's really difficult to find jobs as a naturalist. Um, so there was a lot of like technical field jobs available. Like a lot of people were working on the Manhattan Project,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which is actually where she encountered DDT. Um, so, DDT is this really commonly used pesticide, or was a really commonly used pesticide. There's videos that are terrifying of people just like getting sprayed with it on suburban streets, yeah. like kids are playing. Like just like
2: running behind the truck spraying yeah, the DDT. It's it horrifying.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, DDT is really bad because it messes with your nervous system and basically causes your nervous system to like malfunction and you can't like breathe. <laughs> If you inhale too much of it. (laughs) Um, And there were no ecological tests for it at the time that it was like at its peak being used. Right. And it was used as a pesticide, right? Yeah. So it was basically just like sprayed all over crops that like every person in the United States and the world ate. And just like, again, like it was used to keep down insect like mosquitoes on people's lawns. Like so people were just like or, like, agricultural departments and stuff would just, like, spray it all the fuck over and just, like, call it good. Be like, all right, we're good for the summer. There's not going to be any mosquitoes here. Tasty, tasty pesticides. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. bad. Um, But, like, people didn't know is the other half of it. Like, nobody knew what effects it had because they didn't study, like, they didn't think about, like, Oh, this affects insects this way, so it might affect humans in the same way. It's like, no, they're two completely different organisms. It's like never mind the fact that we have like blood that carries, you know, oxygen and iron and stuff, and also have brains and neurons like <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> They were <laughs> We instead choose
2: to ignore any similarities between insects and humans.
0: <laughs> I mean <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> I know a lot of humans that could also be likened to insects. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> um so yeah. So also like the the what they called DDT is like very ominous. Um it was called the insect bomb, but it was named after like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. Which oh, were oh. horrifying. Yeah, oh my god. Okay, on some
2: level, they knew what was up.
0: Yeah, right. Right. So it's like, maybe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe they should have thought about what they were saying. Uh Uh (laughs) So, yeah, it was bad. Um, So eventually, she did get hired by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. She was supervising, like, a writing contingency of it, basically, and became, like, chief editor of publications for this writing contingency which is crazy for a woman in like 1945 seven. oh wait <laughs> uh the year is 1949 that she became the chief editor of publications that's amazing um so as an editor she got like more opportunity to like choose what she wanted to do and she started like writing a second book basically and like made a decision to like transition to writing full-time as like an author as well as this editor's position so she was wearing all of these different hats at the same time um two years like okay so like a year after she became the editor of official wildlife service uh publication contingency she also published another book about the oceans called the sea around us which was a whole book about like like, the ocean and the ecology of the ocean and, like, eventually led to a lot of conservation efforts that, like, Jacques Cousteau was also really uh, lauded for. Like, he's really well known for it. <laughs> Rachel Carson, like, did a lot of research and did a lot of the legwork, too, of, like, trying to get people to care about the ocean in this way. Totally. And, like, the effects that human activities on land have on the ocean life.
2: hmm I feel like she's one of the people that like made people realize that even though the ocean is huge and vast like our actions still can affect it which some people still don't (laughs) believe
0: but I guess
2: (laughs) most people realize now that we can affect the ocean
0: yeah it's crazy so like she continues writing about the ocean she continues writing about like see and finding ways of like connecting people to nature around them through like these really amazing. amazing narrative devices and like really personal connections that like she has as both a researcher and a writer to the natural world and then in 1962 two years before she dies um she writes silent spring which is a book that just like describes everything terrible it's like the culmination of her life work on ddt it basically just describes everything bad that ddt does to the environment Mm -hmm. um i highly recommend it if you haven't read it i do highly recommend it the introduction is incredible it just like Mm -hmm. talks about this it's incredible because it talks about this forest that like you grow up with and how it's teeming with life and like all of these birds are calling and there are all these beautiful insects and you remember walking through it as a child and then, like, it walks you through, like, as you grow older, it going silent. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing. And, like, there's not even a footprint of anything other than, like, you in the forest. And it's, like, the chapter basically ends with, that's what DDT does. <laughs> I just got goosebumps just uh, thinking about the intro yeah. to that book.
2: <laughs> it's so good. And she, ri- she writes it in such a way that it's really accessible to anyone, which I think is, I mean, yeah, it's
0: incredible. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's yeah, she's amazing. she's amazing at it. Like the connections that she built, it's so incredible. So this all relates. So DDT and Silent Spring. I'm. Go- I promise this leads back to birds. Uh- <laughs> 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 so after this book is published in 1962, again, this is only two years before she dies. Um, after this book is published, there is basically just like fury. There's public fury about DDT. Um, because Carson did such a good and like personalized job of connecting DDT to like what it's doing to the environment that the entire populace of the United States especially is just like pissed off and rightfully so because DDT was actually killing a ton of birds including like the bald eagles and peregrine falcon are the two most like commonly known ones um it was preventing them from like hatching new chicks basically so she makes this very clear connection in her book uh the public just like gets mad and like it promotes it sparks like all of these grassroots movements to like eliminate ddt and the epa gets involved um it also like some people argue that it gave rise to ecofeminism which is pretty legit (laughs) yeah uh and uh eventually unfortunately after she dies uh it gets ddt revan and winds up protecting a lot of different like bird species um and it also is influential in like establishing things like the federal insecticide fungicide and rodenticide act huh mouthful um it also like uh the creation of the epa like one of the first things that they did was to address ddt and like carson's work um which was which happened in 1970 which is a few years after she died Mm -hmm. um so she dies of breast cancer in 1964 and it's really really sad (laughs) um she died in maryland in her in her home but i think probably the most the most legit thing but also like one of the more controversial things is her relationship with a woman named dorothy freeman Uh, Which I did not know until I started looking into her a little bit more, but she had this relationship with this woman named Dorothy Freeman. Dorothy Freeman is a married woman. Rachel Carson never marries. Over the course of 12 years, the two of them exchanged over 900 letters between the two of them. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) So a biographer wrote, let me find the quote her um, biographer wrote that Carson sorely needed a devoted friend and a kindred spirit who would listen to her without advising and would accept her wholly as the writer as well as the woman and she found this in Freeman the two women had a number of common interests nature chief among them and began exchanging letters regularly while apart they would share summers for the remainder of Carson's life and meet wherever else their schedules permitted so she had a long term girlfriend that was married to a, to a dude <laughs> That's what I'm getting. Oh, yeah. And there, so there is a lot of speculation about this. Some people like vehemently uh, say this is just like a really close friendship. Those people remind me of historians that say, like, Alexander was not a gay dude when he, like, held the biggest funeral in all of history for his lover. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because in a letter, uh Carson wrote to Freeman but oh darling I want to be with you so terribly that it hurts and in another Freeman writes back to Carson I love you beyond expression my love is as boundless as the sea Uh, (laughs) there's also accounts of like Freeman talking to her husband and her husband like didn't really like fully understand exactly what was the nature of the relationship between like mm-hmm. freeman and carson but, but like, like freeman dorothy, dorothy freeman was basically was just like, just like, like Ugh, don't you don't get, get it right. like you'll, you'll never get right. it <laughs> 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 kind of thing. and he kind of just was like yeah okay whatever like do your thing like go hang out with her in her summer home for like this year kind of deal Um, (laughs) so there is some speculation that they were, like, friends, but a lot of the tone and I'm trying to be fair to, like, I don't actually know. Um, a lot of the letters were destroyed prior to Rachel Carson's death at the behest of both Freeman and Carson. Mm -hmm. Um, both of them just, like, destroyed a bunch of the letters, and some of that might be due to the fact that, like, they might have, like, been lovers, Mm -hmm. um, So, yeah, and there's arguments to be made, too, of, like, the nature of their relationship was not, like, important, like, whether or not they were lovers or they were just, like, really close friends, but, like, the fact that they had such a close relationship was really important to both of them, and that is true, but also it's, like... I'm shipping them real hard right now. (laughs) I
2: know. I mean, (laughs) I also think there's a way awesome place for, like, female friendship and, like, expressing love for your friends. But Mm -hmm. also I'm shipping them real hard. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, my God. God, Yeah. And it's it's hard because, like, the surviving letters that we do have, like, the tone is kind of cautious, Mm -hmm. I guess, is the best way to, like, describe it but like yeah I also ship them really hard so there's speculations that like Rachel Carson was like gay as fuck but (laughs) it is hard to say with any definitiveness because we just like don't have evidence because they destroyed a bunch of the totally
2: well I can't even imagine like I'm assuming it was not okay to be any sort of queer in those times in the 1930s oh god no yeah I mean that's awful that people couldn't be themselves.
3: Absolutely, and then being like in the public eye too for all of her work. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I
2: imagine mm-hmm.
0: that must have been yeah. super hard. Mm-hmm. But that's Rachel Carson. She's a legend. I highly recommend checking out *Silent Spring* if you haven't read it. It is worth the read. Yes, yeah, Rachel Carson. such a
3: legend. Uh, oh man. I mean, she fucking <laughs> spurred
2: like. The entire environmental movement. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, the yeah. Endangered Species Act would not have passed without her. hmm No. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: Or the, like, Bald Eagle and Golden Eagle Protection Act. Mm-hmm. Like, or I don't even know. The Migratory Bird Treaty Act might not have passed. I don't really know. No, no. no that was later. No, it was, no, it was prior. prior. Sorry. Sorry, it was prior.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that one was related a lot to, like, the feather plume yeah. trade, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I that, that I was in know.
2: 1918 oh yeah that was way prior sorry that was my bad
3: <laughs> it's just so cool that she was such an amazing writer and a scientist like I wonder how much longer it would have taken for word to get out about DDT if it wasn't for Rachel Carson
0: <clears throat> I don't know the United States, States stop allowing so we still we, the United States still produces DDT we just don't use it in the United States which
2: is pretty we fucked We ship up. it to <laughs> other places and let them <laughs> yeah. use it.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it is, it is, it is so super fucked, fucked up. up like, and, like, yeah. yeah, but we can't use it in the United States anywhere thanks to her, her efforts, I guess. So, anyway. Yeah.
2: Not to get started on, like, neonicotinoids and all the other, like, really yeah, exciting I pesticides know, that we're I using know. nowadays. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel
3: like now it
2: sucks because
3: <sighs> now we, like probably no. there are connections that we just like mm-hmm. maybe didn't know back in the time of like Rachel Carson's mm-hmm. early work and now we're just like
2: pretending real hard just close your eyes <laughs>
0: Yeah.
2: eat the tomato
0: <laughs> and that is like not to say that she didn't get insane pushback like all of these grassroots efforts were like fought tooth and nail by chemical companies like They went after a lot of people. Oh, yeah,
3: completely. (laughs) Oh, capitalism.
0: (laughs) Capitalism Capitalism sucks, y'all. Yeah, it does. Such a cancer. So anyway, anyway, that's Rachel Carson. Woo! Nice. Yes. Uh, She's so cool. That's all I got.
1: Ashley, it's up to It's all up to you now. Okay. I am going to be talking about um, Francis Hammerstrom. Or Fran. Yes. Oh, um, yes. She <laughs> We're all was, like fangirling so much right
2: now. <laughs> uh, Everyone's
3: expression cool. is
1: amazing. <laughs> um so she was born in nineteen oh seven into a wealthy family um in Boston, Massachusetts. And um sort of To her parents' dismay, she grew up to be sort of a rebellious child. Um, Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Of course, uh, wanted her to be a socialite and, like, groomed her to be, you know, wife to a well-off rich man at some point. Um, (laughs) um, But she did not want to do that her she said that her two um like life goals or childhood dreams were to live with wild animals and marry a tall dark man and <laughs> she, she did both um ah, so nice. good on her for achieving her childhood dreams <laughs> um her love of birds started really young she held a funeral for a blue jay at age seven and oh. um she trained Heart her pike. first raptor uh an american kestrel at age 12
2: wow yeah. oh my god um
1: she also kept like wild animals as pets she learned to hunt uh she like taught herself how to hunt because her father frowned upon women hunting like he would Take her brother's <laughs> hunting and not her um, bullshit. Was, this sh- was she just like alone? At she home? like, like <laughs> borrow her father's guns and like go practice and stuff. Oh, um, you and go, She also girl. Like, had her own gardens and to keep uh, basically to keep her family from discovering all this, she planted poison ivy along the path. To like where all of this stuff was. Apparently, she was immune, but her family was like allergic. I don't know. That's not, like, see, she's like a badass right from the beginning. Oh my God. Wow! I love her. I I would adopt that twelve-year-old. Oh so Yeah, she's she's great. Um, she met her husband at a dance, and then they got engaged after three dates. And then they got married in secret in Florida in 1931. Um, And she's (laughs) quoted as saying that the police were after them because they were traveling together and they weren't married. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like, they traveled to Florida to get married in secret, and I guess the police were after them because they were unwed and traveling together in 1931
0: oh my god
2: what <laughs> even get a
0: life wow. <laughs> just just proof that the police are bullshit from the beginning they <laughs> <Like> are chasing after <laughs> couples that are unmarried we so like have no, no other shit, shit they could be doing
2: immune to poison ivy
1: yeah yeah um and then so she like uh flunked out of the first college she attended because of her interest in birds and boys
0: wait wasn't she married <laughs> uh, i think it was
1: birds this was, and bees like, before she met her husband oh sorry i just like whacked the microphone um i think she met her husband at the next school she attended but i could be wrong mm-hmm. about um. that um So after she flunked out of Smith College because of her interest in birds and boys, she eventually graduated with a bachelor's degree in biology from Iowa State University. And then uh, she went on to become the first and uh, only woman to earn a graduate degree under Aldo Leopold at UW-Madison. Um, oh ow, ow. yeah so yeah. i mean <laughs> she D- earned a master's degree Whoa. under him and was the first woman to earn a master's degree in the new field of wildlife management damn, damn. cool yeah
0: and by nine so wait what? can i can i interrupt really quickly i'm sorry to just say that i bet aldo leopold was like the worst advisor ever. oh yeah I don't i'm know. wildly
2: curious how he treated her compared to his other students i am also curious about that
0: um yeah man yeah because i feel like if you're that renowned as like aldo leopold was or whatever <laughs> um also she was his only probably... graduate student that was female so oh. i mean i
1: would assume oh that
2: oh like he didn't have any yeah. after
1: her either no Well, didn't Hmm. he
3: die, like... Wait, what year
1: was she? She got her master's degree in 1948, and he died in... Sorry. He died in 1948, and she got her degree in 1940.
2: Oh, so he was probably close to the end of his career anyway. But
3: eight years.
0: Like, it wasn't like he was... Interesting. I bet bet he he was was the worst.
2: I... Awesome. I hope he was cool, but yeah. I feel like that would be a big change for a white man to deal with.
0: Mm. <laughs> right, right. In the, 19- In the 1940s. Prior yeah. to the, In the 1940s. <laughs> yeah, That's, oh, fuck. Uh, okay,
2: yeah. she's probably screwed, but <laughs> I hope he was cool. I mean, she succeeded, right? She got her degree. She yeah, did. Yeah. Um, yes.
1: A master's degree. Um, I think at that time, women couldn't get PhDs yeah okay be wait
3: wasn't the wildlife ecology department like the absolute last one on campus that allowed women to get a phd that wouldn't surprise really? me but i'm I pretty sure the they fact. like held out till like really late 2005 hmm?
2: <laughs> no <laughs> probably <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <sighs> this is wisconsin it's not exactly a progressive state most of the
0: time <laughs> It is a swing state. I will say that. But still, like, our department. Like, I remember being furious when I heard that. Mm hmm
1: Yeah. Anyways. uh, So she worked with Aldo Leopold. He got her master's degree from under him. And then by 1949, she was the second woman to become a wildlife professional in Wisconsin. Um, Wow. Her and her husband, Frederick, were... Basically credited with stabilizing greater prairie chicken populations in Wisconsin. Um they Whoa. did like they did what? a ton of research on prairie chicken habitat and like they were um they color marked birds by imping Ooh. like colored feathers into some of their feathers, I guess. Um and so like you should wait, real quick, you should tell them what you should say what Okay, so is. you um I'm not like 100% all up in on this uh, thing, but imping is basically where you like cut off most of the feather and the shafts of feathers are hollow. And so you can like stick another bit of feather in there and sort of like make it look like a new feather. Um, and so they used that technique, which they like borrowed from falconry to mark uh, male prairie chickens on the lecking ground and basically like figured out that they were territorial and they figured out like all of these different um, habitat requirements and things for prairie chickens and they fought really hard for um, conserving them um, they developed management plans I think they started a oh yeah they started a society of Timpanooka's Cupido pennatus, which is the um <laughs> <laughs> that's the latin name for the prairie grouse. Um and so they started that to like purchase lands um more than 2000 acres of land to be managed for them. Damn. Um yeah, so if you're ever in Wisconsin and you want to go look for some prairie chickens, um check out Buena Vista Grasslands and Leola Marsh, which is like Was that was her? Yeah, yeah. that was her. And yeah. she like what? lived like really close to Buena Vista. She lived in Plainfield, Wisconsin. That's so cool. Oh my god, really? Yeah, um they lived in this Civil War era house from like the eighteen fifties that was never like completely finished. What? And it had like what? an unfinished ballroom on the top floor where they stored like all of their data and specimens and stuff for their entire (laughs) career so it's just like full of all of this cool stuff Um, wait i
2: need a ballroom for all of my specimens
1: (laughs) yeah but it didn't have running water and it didn't have it like it was heated with like cast iron wood stoves and they lived in this house (laughs) basically their entire lives and they raised
0: their children there too um so that's incredible worth it the trade-off is worth yeah between electricity and like a ballroom filled with like taxidermy birds (laughs) and all this data yeah (laughs) so worth it yes um
1: so fran and your husband spent um a lot of their professional career um, trying to protect the prairie chicken but they also did a lot of um, work with falcons and like kestrels and harriers and other um birds of prey in Wisconsin. Um and they published a lot of papers and Fran also wrote um popular like children's books. Um so
0: really oh, yeah, about I read, prairie chickens um,
1: I read one of them. I think it was strictly for the chickens. Um which is all about like prairie chickens and things. <laughs> And it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, I mean, it's written for children, but it's just, like, really funny to read all of the stories and stuff. Because she's just, like, this really crazy sort of, like, (laughs) woman. So in one of the stories, she was, like, out catching some kestrels out along, like, the roads and things. Um, And Uh she caught more than she expected to. And so she had to <laughs> take her pants off and stuff them in the her pants to like get them back to the like <laughs> place she was banding them,
2: uh, which was her yes. house. And
1: then they like had company at their house when she got there.
2: With no <laughs> with pants on. With full like, of chickens. With, like,
1: kestrels in her pants. And so she, like, had Oh, to... that's
2: right. Sorry, kestrels. Yeah. um I think she had
1: to, like, end up, like, really quickly, like, banding it there or something and letting it go.
0: And I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and there was this other. Hey, Ashley. <laughs> hey, Ashley, why are you walking in the door without your pants off? Well, I just have, like, four birds of prey in my yeah, pants. I just have some <laughs> tiny to grab out in my, my pants in the car. It's all good.
2: Um, there's just a raptor party in my pants yes (laughs) um i love it yeah
1: there was another story uh where she was pregnant with one of her children and you know she goes in for a checkup or whatever and the doctor's like yeah it's good for you to like get some sun and whatever and Mm -hmm. so She did get some sun, but she would do it by walking around naked in the fields around her house.
0: And then she, like, went
1: back in for another checkup with the doctor, and he was very surprised when she, like, you know, disrobed and whatever, that she was tan everywhere, not just, like, (laughs) where proper ladies get tan.
2: (laughs) An
0: inspiration. What was a proper ladies tan in, like, what, the 1930s? Well, would- uh, probably where <laughs> An- your ankles? clothing ankles. doesn't go,
1: Jen. So maybe, like, face and arms? Well, but, like, I'm not
0: sure. <laughs> like your hands and ankles. Like, <laughs> 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 like all proper clothing for ladies in the 1930s? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyways,
1: she's really cool, and I think it would have been awesome to meet her. And Mm-hmm. Oh, and she also like made sure that she raised her child tr- her children very differently than she was raised. I mean, obviously she raised them in this like house with no running water and things, but <laughs> they were always like outside doing stuff, um and like interacting with animals and all of that good stuff. But for an entire year they would go out every month on the full moon and like go do adventures at night under the full moon and she wrote a book about it which is called Walk When the Moon is Full. I have not read that one, but it's probably a good oh! book.
2: She's a witch. <laughs> She's a witch and I love yes. her. Yes, yes. Oh. Yes. Um so, so cool. they
1: spent a lot of their life uh like professional sort of careers introducing um traditional and non-traditional students to field ornithology. Um so they would train interns and, like boy scouts and people would, who like wanted to learn about field ornithology and observe prairie chickens and stuff um she called them gaboons <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know where that name comes from but that's what she called them all of her interns <laughs> what yeah g a b o o n s like baboon but with a g <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really sure.
2: Um, I feel and... like it's the precursor to like goobers. Like come on, you bunch of goobers! <laughs> yeah, <We're> yeah. Going. <laughs> um,
0: that makes so much sense. <laughs>
3: I just and imagine her still it. being like super like her personality being like very like east coast, like high class, but she's like doing all this crazy field <laughs> shit. <laughs> like looking down her nose at all these
1: students. <laughs> <sighs> um um in her autobiography, she noted that most administrators um administrators being like men in the upper echelons of the wildlife profession in Wisconsin. Um, were afraid to mm-hmm. hire a female biologist. So that often meant that her husband, who was also a biologist, would get a position, a paid position, and then she would be considered a volunteer.
0: Um, even Ugh. though she
1: was an amazing biologist and had a really prolific like scientific publishing career. And she, um, in her early childhood, she was raised in Germany and France because her father was an international criminologist i don't know what that is in the early nineteen
2: hundreds but it sounds cool. did true crime and birding he... just combined <laughs> what
0: <Yeah>. what's the <laughs> wait wait what's the fucking did he work for interpol i don't like, know
1: the one source just said international
2: criminologist, and I didn't pursue it um I'm surprised she didn't become a bird lawyer ooh, ooh, well. <sighs> <laughs> well versed in bird law,
0: <laughs> Frances Hammerstrom, attorney at bird law. <laughs>
2: she probably did that too on the side.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's her hustle. Nights her when it hustle.
2: wasn't a full moon, that's what she worked on—bird <laughs> law. Um.
1: So, anyways, her like early childhood, <laughs> childhood. sort of like exposure to living in Germany and France meant she also knew how to like speak and write German and French. And so in addition to publishing in North American journals and interacting with North American ornithologists and scientists, she interacted with um, a lot of European scientists, uh, which was not common at that time. Um, That's so cool. And they also supported training – um, students from Latin America to basically build capacity for establishing um, like effective conservation
0: strategies in the neotropics, which is really cool. That's dope. But it's dope mm-hmm. hell. Yeah, wow. Well. Is, is hell a curse word that we're adding to this word? Um, do you want it to be? Well, it's a place,
3: theoretically, if you believe in If monarchy, we're counting the damn, place. we have to count hell. Okay. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is like upping the stakes a lot of our spurs are. We just <laughs> double more our money. than i say hell anyway. Um <laughs> All my friends are gonna be in hell anyway, like what?
2: Yeah, what the fuck? It doesn't even
0: matter. <laughs> it doesn't. Thank you.
2: Um
0: Ashley is counting so many. I see a little anymore. like tick
3: marks happening over there.
2: We're at twenty one. For this episode, that's like half of the last episode, isn't it? Yeah, the last episode we had forty-one. Wow, look at us! Oh, we nailed it then. I don't know if I'm proud or
0: disappointed. I like that Maya's reaction to the swear jar count to swear again.
2: (laughs) You got me. Yeah. Valid response
0: either way, <laughs> but still. <just> like... <laughs> uh. mm-hmm.
1: Okay, uh, so since the Hammerstroms worked in um, government agencies for most of their professional careers, they had what they called the Hammerstrom Rule of Thirds for spending your time. Basically, you would spend a third of your time for worthless red tape that your boss requires you to do, a third for doing what is wanted of you, and a third for doing exactly as you please. Um, I think that's a pretty good use of time if you are in any Mm -hmm. sort of agency where red tape might be a thing. Yes, Um, That's awesome. And then the last thing I have is that uh she was badass even until she was uh old so in uh at the age of 86 um after her husband had passed she like went on some adventures to various places in the world and uh at 86 she went to peru to watch um black collared hawks feeding on fish and during that trip she broke her hip uh but she went back the next year to observe indigenous hunters on another river in Peru and then she died four years later at the age of 90 in um
0: 1988 so wow. Hot damn. Wow. Yes. so I've seen pictures of Francis Hammerstrom with like golden yes. eagles mm-hmm. like on her falconry (laughs) glove was that part of her research or was that Um, like a hobby i am not sure i know
1: she was into falconry i don't know if she had um i just assume she had falconry birds yeah valid um yeah Yeah, I think, so
3: she wrote a book called My Double Life, which Mm -hmm. is, like, her memoir. Yes. And this was, like, ringing a bell for me. I just Googled this while you were talking. (laughs) But I think I read that, like, even before I went to college and, like, decided to go into wildlife. And it's so cool, just, like, the way she describes doing field work, and Mm -hmm. she's so practical about it, but just, like, doing, like, completely (laughs) what she
1: wants to do all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Um, so some of her, like, popular, uh, like, books for the public, non-scientific, like, academic writings are called An Eagle to the Sky, um, Birds mm-hmm. of Prey in Wisconsin, Walk When the Moon is Full, Strictly for the Chickens, and Is She Coming To <laughs> Memoirs of a Lady Hunter. Um, wow. She... Also was known as a cook, and she published a wild game cookbook. um, Oh, cool. What? Which, let's see, um, her secret recipe for pie crust was to use bear lard. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, And apparently the readers of this cookbook would occasionally send her lard from bears that they had killed.
0: Dang. yes that's
1: super nice of them um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. the cookbook is called wild foods cookbook from the fields and forests of the great lake states
2: dang so, okay so, oh hold on
1: i said she died in 1988 that was incorrect she died in 1998 i just wrote a typo on my little thing so gotcha. yes good good in Mira mm-hmm. edit. She published over 100 academic papers. Did I tell you she was a oh, prolific? Oh my god, uh, writer. I can't I
0: can't even publish and one. <laughs> <laughs> one. Yeah.
2: Was I she laughed. a machine? So was she
1: real? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isn't there also actually I feel like I've heard about the Greater Prairie Chicken Festival? Was that something that she started or did that start after her? Mm. Do you know? Well, she, like, took
1: people out to see them lecking. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there was, like... I don't think she, like, did a festival, but... I don't know. I don't have every single bit of information about her. That's fair. But she trained hundreds of research assistants, and she also... Like, they also had, like... um, an estimated 7,000 wildlife observers that participated in collecting data on prairie chickens, which was like essential for um, informing ways to keep them
2: from being extirpated. Wow. wow that's that's really gotta really be really early on thing. for like community science initiatives. That's yeah. way
1: cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, she also spent like decades studying northern harrier and vole populations and Hmm. um, it's basically like a cyclical food supply which is super cool Mm -hmm. Um, she won the Edwards prize for best paper of the year I don't know where that's from
2: though no clue (laughs) yeah I bet it's impressive (laughs) whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) what a life yes she was
1: pretty cool and i didn't know about her until i started my field work um for my master's which is in really close to the area that she did much of her work on prairie chickens um it was like it's like a 40 minute drive from my field site to buena vista and like maybe hmm, it's actually probably more like a 25 minute drive Unless I stop at Leola Marsh on the way. Then it's more like a forty. Because <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Prairie for Yeah. Other. Um, um Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh so That's I didn't really incredible. know about her until I started my master's degree and then the um like the person I was staying with for my field housing uh had a first edition I think of the for the um, strictly for the chickens book and she like lent it to me and told me all about francis hammerstrom and she drove me out to see her cool house from the outside like it's obviously been purchased by someone else now and
0: that was wonderful yeah, yeah. That, was that was amazing i feel like i've, learned, I feel like I've so learned so much of the over the course of these yes. two episodes i know yes. me too i feel more it empowered makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. yes, yes. So if you have, again, more uh, female or women scientists, especially BIPOC scientists that we need to gush and also have girl crushes on, which gush also sounds like a combination of girl crush anyway. So (laughs) So meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) Or just regular crush, because whatever. Uh, Please send us. Some info and would you can send us uh hey where, where where can people send us information again? Oh, somebody
2: remind oh me I of?
0: know. I know. <laughs> we have a
2: website. <laughs> we are <laughs> yeah, uh, we do. we're at flocktails.wordpress.com. Wait, isn't That's it flock Flocktails Hour? Oh shit, you're right. It's Flocktail Hour. <laughs> Mother <laughs> of fucking son of a bitch. <laughs> We swear, dark. It was worth <laughs> it. <laughs> we are at flocktailhour.wordpress.com. Again, that's flocktailhour.wordpress.com. And you can find all of our social media links there as well as our email
0: address. But if you're too lazy to look that up, that is flocktales on Twitter and flocktailhour on Instagram. Or you can send us an email uh flocktails podcast at
1: gmail.com. Are we also just flocktails on Facebook? I should know that. Oh fuck
2: we are. There's too <laughs> many of them I can't keep them
1: straight. <laughs> so much social media. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out at some point. Maybe. Are we flocktails?
0: Are we, we flocktails on
1: Facebook? I
3: actually
0: I don't I that. think we are. I, I think, think we said we are. that recently. Yeah we're just flocktails on Facebook. Okay good. I've not been on Facebook for like more than five minutes at a time in the last like two weeks and it's amazing that's so I apologize so healthy no, so good for you don't apologize yeah uh-uh. <laughs> well I just mean if we take a minute to get back to you <laughs> that's probably why oh yeah, yeah. that'll do her <laughs> I feel like
2: if we because women apologize too much I feel like apologies should count as swears for the swear jar Ooh, or do we need to No. It's a swear. It's a swear. It's the worst swear swear there
3: is.
2: (laughs) How many stories do I have to
1: add? One, two,
2: five? I mean, maybe we'll just start with the next episode. (laughs) That seems like too much to estimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I agree. I agree. (laughs) So find us on all of the medias. Yes. Um. Thanks for listening in. Um, I am Jen Schneiderman. I'm Ashley Ola. I'm Kristen Brunk.
3: And I'm Maya Pershing.
2: And we will see you next time. <laughs> Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs>